All right, good morning. Thanks for being here today. Hello uh, for those of you who are online. Thanks for tuning in. And um, yeah, just want to encourage you, vote this week. Actually, vote today and then go take it there tomorrow. Um, we only have a couple days left, so if you haven't voted, uh, man, it's just one of the great uh, privileges we have in our country to, to have our voice be heard. And so study up and use your Holy Spirit guided conscience and vote. And uh, that'd be great. Um, men, uh, there's some of us who are off today at family at uh, Washington Family Ranch for a men's retreat. And so uh, remember to pray for them, for the safety home. They have a great time together. And uh, we are continuing on the series that we've had called Choosing Hope. And today we're focusing on we're not choosing hope if we choose to go it alone. And we have, you know, kind of this bent in the Northwest, maybe more than every place else in the country. But in the Western world, especially, uh, the, this value of um, radical individualism. You know, I just, I am my own person, and I do what I want to do. And, uh, you know, I, I put boundaries to protect my space. I'll honor your space. But, you know, we, we just go through life alone. I trust myself. And... Um, and we got this problem with that, in that when we look at the Bible, you know, the Bible is actually an Asian book. It, it was written um, in the Middle East. It was written in this culture and this understanding and um, an expectation that was given by God that you are to be communal in your living. You have a communal mindset. You're to see yourself as part of something bigger than yourself. And um, so as we look at then followers of God throughout the Bible, you'll see this continued and you'll see this when it, in New Testament, when it talks about, you know, do this or be a part of this or I encourage you to do this, it, it's you all, it's, it's communal. It's saying together, let's move together. And so the challenge for us today is to allow our thinking to be challenged to realize that we weren't built to go it alone. We're, we're, we're relational beings. We're built by a God who's relational. And uh, God has been relational for all eternity. And, and we know that one God in the Godhead, there's God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they've been in relationship since eternity past to eternity future. And he, they then built us to reflect the character of God, and part of that is relational. And we know that, I mean, all we have to do is say, how do we entertain ourselves? We entertain ourselves by watching movies on relationship. I mean, the most popular movies every year are ones on relationship. TV shows, uh, Friends, Cheers, Seinfeld. I mean, you name it. They're all about relationships. We love watching relationships. And so I put together my top movie list of all time on relationships. And so I'm going to you know, share some of them with you and you can you know, cheer if you totally agree or boo me. I can handle it. Just you know, go ahead. You know. But uh, one of my favorite all time relationship movies, Stand By Me. Yeah? Uh-huh. Amen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. I love that movie. Um, going back even farther than Stand By Me, this is going to like, give you a little... Um, insight into my age. Uh, if you watch it now, you're going, man, that was poorly made. But I watch it and I cry every time. Actually, I get a little piece of salt on my eye somehow. It's just, no. um, but Brian's song. Anyone? Yes? Oh yeah, I heard that over there. Yep. Uh, yeah, I love Brian Piccolo. Great movie about Gail, Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo and their relationship together. Um, anyway, great movie. Okay, um, here's another one that, you know, may get some response, I don't know, but one of the greatest relationship movies of all time, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I, okay, there's gives you a little, little glimpse into my soul. Um, all right, another one, uh, it's, it's not a movie per se, but it's a series, and it is phenomenal. I think it should be required viewing in every American history class, Band of Brothers. Yep, haven't seen it, see it. Um, there's some tough things to see there, but it is, I mean, nothing like relationships built in foxholes. And uh, awesome. Uh, Steven Spielberg 
and Tom Hanks um, put that together. Um, here's another one. You may, you know, get some different responses, and some of you are going to say, never seen it, but uh, it's near and dear to my heart. It's called Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Unbelievable, you know, relationships with all kinds of beings in, in the galaxy, and uh, worth seeing just for the soundtrack alone. Killer soundtrack. Yeah, okay. Um, there's other ones, didn't make my list, might be on yours, but you know, a classic, a classic relationship movie, Toy Story. Um, beaches, uh, City Slickers, Steel Magnolias, Game Night, um, Breakfast Club. Didn't see this one, but my girl said, oh yeah, winner. The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. A league of their own. I mean, we, we can just go on and on and, and, and talk about. I mean, we, we're drawn to relationships, even watching them. And, uh, and yet we, I, you know, deep, real relationships may be almost becoming extinct. We should put it on the, you know, the endangered list of things to try to protect because we're just not um, naturally great at them, although we know we we're built for them, but uh, don't have the greatest modeling all the time about great relationships, but God says you're built for them. You are built for relationships, and as a member of his faith family, he says you can't follow him without being engaged in relationship and in community. And so here is one passage. We're going to spend most of our time this morning in Luke chapter 10. So if you brought your Bibles, go there. But um, I'll put the verses up on the screens. But we're going to start by looking at Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23. And it's going to go up there. And it says this, And God placed all things under his feet. And so that means that you know, there's God regarding authority, and then there's all of his creation under it. But in the Godhead, there's even authority. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it says, he's put all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. And so he's saying, okay, God the Father has appointed God the Son, um, even though both God, all God, all attributes of God are possessed by both, and they're together, but God the Son is the authority of the church. And so then he goes on to say, which is his body? So that's talking about the church. So he gives a picture of followers of Jesus are like a body with God being, with Jesus being the head. So he guides and leads and we follow and we're coordinated in our efforts to follow um, his leadership. Um, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so this is saying the greatness of God, the glory of God, is to be seen and experienced everywhere, in every way. How? Through this body. Through the community of followers of Jesus are to be coordinated together in relationship under the leading of Jesus. So there, there's a you know, definition for you of the church, what the church is to be, um, uh, how God sees it. And so how does living a radical independent life fit into that? I, you know, it doesn't. Well, you know, my journey with God, that's a very individual private journey. And that's not for other people to know and I really won't butt into yours. And that just doesn't fit with the picture that God's saying, this is how I made you, and if you're going to align to me, then you're going to be with part of a community that you're connected to, and you are actually the hope of the world. You are, you are the ones that I want other people to know about God about is through you. And so I left you this Bible, I left you this, this truth where I'm revealing myself to you, but the hope of the world really isn't seen primarily in the Bible. The hope of the world is primarily seen through you as a community. And so it's, it's, it's kind of a front to kind of natural values we grow up with in, in our culture. But God's saying, hey, you need to start seeing yourself differently. 
And um, you going it alone in your spiritual journey is not my agenda for you. And so how does it look? And so um, we're going to look at that together. Now, um, it's hard to be in community, and it's hard to uh, stay in community because things are working against it. And um, one of those things is our ever-changing American workplace. Um, you know, today is no longer like it was. You know, there was a traditional thing 20 years plus ago that you said you, you, know, you went to school, you went to high school, you went to college, and you got a career, you stayed with that career primarily, you know, in that business primarily for most of your life, and that's how it looked. And today, it's not that way at all. I mean, there's, um, uh, you know, take a year off after high school and kind of do some different things, and then maybe you engage in college, maybe you don't. Um, and then you start your career, and, but career looks different. It's not like I go to one place. It's like cobbled together many different jobs. And one of those is probably I start my own business. And um, you know, most young adults today between the age of 23 and 31 have eight different jobs. And so it's, it's a different world. And so you hop from job to job to job to job. And that's just, I mean, you are an independent contractor in the sense as far as the workforce today. And that's how you see yourself and that's how you're looking at the job world. Well, if, if you're looking at, well, work is one of the places, that's where I spend most of my time, it's with the people I spend most of my time. Um, if you're looking at, well, that's where I'm gonna build my relationships. Well, you're not looking at, building them very deep because you know you're going to be hopping from place to place and if I'm not hopping the person that I'm working with is going to be hopping and so we're not going to be stay, staying you know close very long and so we we tend to be okay with with surface level relationships and it works against God's you know plan for us to go deeper go deeper in relationship build relationship your relational your relational being go deeper um the pace of life is not really helping. We, we need unhurried time together in order to, to go deeper in relationship. And we don't do unhurried time well. Even when we have nothing to do today, you're going to hurry trying to find something to do. You're going to grab your device and you're going to um, look at binge-watching something, and, and you're going to, well, it's not really a work day, but I'm going to answer some emails and, do, you know, and post some emails, and, and I'm going to you know, research my hobby, and I'm going to try to fix something, and so I'm going to be YouTubing how to do that. And, and we, we just get busy, and so we, we don't like unhurried time that's not full of stuff. And so we fill it with noise. And so you don't have to raise your hand for this. I'm not going to try to embarrass anybody, but how many of you worked from your bed this week? I mean, it's time for bed. Yep, I see that hand. Brave. Um, you, 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 you went to bed. It's time to knock off for your body to get rest and rejuvenated. But it's like, well, I'm just going to answer a few emails from work. Or I'm going to send a couple. Or I'm going to read an article. Or I'm going to look up some numbers from work. Or, and, and you're, you know, I mean, nothing sacred. We, we can just work all the time, and we're never really separated from work and because we have our devices, and then we, we're connected. And so that kind of goes against um, building deep relationships. And then there's the ever-changing American truth-based, which, man, we're living a, in a time where truth, what's right and wrong and what is true is just changing at breakneck speed. And it's kind of crazy. And, um, and so we are really empowering each other to, um, in some ways, uh, choose your truth. What's your truth? You know, what, what is your truth? And we say we really value that until your truth is different than mine. Then I don't value it anymore. Um, but... That's what we say. We say that, you know, there is no absolute truth anymore, and that's how our, our country operates. And um, there used to be an understanding that there's absolute truth, and there's truth regarding how healthy relationships look. Healthy relationships is you are loyal. You stick together through tough seasons. You speak truth into each other. You encourage each other, but you don't do that at the expense of speaking truth to each other. And if somebody speaks truth into your life, you don't get offended and run away, but you, you say, okay, I know this person cares for me, and 
I need to, to find out what's true in that and what, what they said to me. And I need to be open to, to things in my life that maybe I'm blind to. And somebody who loves me and a true friend is somebody who can do that. And I'm going to stay loyal to them. I know they're going to stay loyal to me. And I don't talk behind their back. And I don't use them as a commodity to say, okay, my truth regarding um, what my relationship with you looks like is going to be dependent day in and day out on how I'm feeling, the circumstances of my life. Am I doing well? Am I not doing well? Do I want to do it? You know, do I, I don't care if uh, you want to be with me. I'm just feeling like I want to be alone. And, and uh, so, I, you know, what's my truth today? It, it's an ever-changing thing, and it really messes up relationships. Because primarily it's, it's selfish. Because I'm deciding what's best for my relationships, you know, depending upon what I think I want today. And that can change. Man, I, I'm just so thankful at the fact that God's character doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Aaron was talking about it. And his truth is true because he doesn't change. And so when we go to him and we say, okay, what does relationships look like? What do healthy relationships look like? It doesn't change. He says, here's what healthy, healthy relationships look like. Here's how I treat you and will always treat you. And it will never change no matter how you feel, how you think, what you see. There's some things in life that don't change because they're true. Because they're true is because they reflect the character of God, and God never changes. I am so grateful for that. I mean, in, in the, the noise of the world, in, in the ever-changing thoughts regarding what's right and what's wrong, what's true and what's not true, what's good things about relationship, what's not good things, um, sometimes I'm just reading the Bible and I'm going, thank you, God, this is, this is like drinking in cool, fresh air. And I'm living in just a hot sauna of confusion. And I can't see straight with all the messages the world's given me regarding what's right and what's wrong. And then I go to your word and it's like, oh, clarity. Clarity. And so we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at what does God say about our relationships, especially if you've chosen to be a follower of Jesus, how he sees us. And so we're going to do that by looking at Luke chapter 10, and this is Jesus, and um, uh, talking to his followers and giving them instructions and sending them out on a mission. And so um, the first nine chapters of the book of Luke is answering the question, who is Jesus? I mean, really, you've, and, and Luke is writing this, and, and He's writing to readers who have heard a lot about Jesus, and there's lots of eyewitnesses of Jesus. It's like, okay, we've seen him, but who is he really? And so Luke tries to answer that in the first nine chapters or so. And then he says, okay, now I think you can see he claimed to be God in the flesh. And he claimed to come here not to judge the world, but to save the world. And by sacrificing himself as a ransom for many. And, and so that, this is God in a bod. This is Jesus. And now he says, okay, now in this next section, here's the question I'm answering. So what? What does that mean to you? If you believe Jesus is who he said he was, then what does that mean about how you live? And so in chapter 10, he starts that out, and this is where um, we're going to be parked today. Uh, Luke 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so what's he talking about there? Well, first of all, he's sending out 72. And so he's saying, you're going to be my representatives in this area. They're in northern Galilee, I mean, they're in Galilee which is northern Israel. Um, and this is where Jesus base of operation is. And so they're just going around to the towns around them. And Jesus says, I want you to send out, send out the good news, the message that the kingdom of God is here and that the Messiah has come and I am him. And so it's a message of hope and care for people and, and step into the needs of people. And so ready, go. And he's not just sending out his three best friends. And he's not just sending out the 12 who are the apostles 
But he's sending out the group of people who are saying, yeah, we're followers of you, we're in. And there's 72 of them. And so he says, this is an all play. This is who you are. I'm sending you out on my mission. All right, and so that's what he's doing. So here, the first point that I think, the first principle that I want to pull out of here on how are we to, if we're followers of Jesus, what does that mean for not going it alone? What should our life look like? So here it is. Don't go alone. There's too many opportunities God wants us to step into. So we don't go it alone because God's heart are for all the needs of the world. And have you ever thought about that? Man, you, you, you watch the news and you're just going, man, God's heart is broken over, um, I don't know, you know, poverty and, and um, malnutrition and, and war and injustice. And there's all of these needs over all the world. And God's heart cares for all of those and especially those who don't know that God loves them and is pursuing them. And so that's God's heart. And he's saying, that's bigger than any one of you can go after. And so what you do is I'm going to put you into these communities, these, these faith families called churches, and you together are going to go after the opportunities with the resources that you guys have. You're going to go, you're going to go after them together, and you're going to go after part of my heart. And so that's what he's doing. He's saying, okay, you guys are followers of me. I'm sending you out. Go, go into these towns and villages and go two by two. You're not going it alone. You weren't meant to go it alone and go after these things. And so um, Jesus, who is the master minister, if you want to know how to serve people, I mean, you meet the real, you know, you meet the real needs that are um, practical, staring in your face needs because you care about them and you love them. And then you talk to them about, there's a God who loves you. No matter what your past, no matter whatever, God loves you and he's actually pursuing you. you. You matter to him. And that's the hope of the world. We care for people, no matter how they respond to God, and then we also share there, there's hope for you. And so he's saying, do that. Now he's on earth. And he's saying, look, at my heart's so big, I need to invite people in to help me out. Because in this bod, I am limited to this time, this place, this town. And so we need to be together and be united and go after this together. And so there's too many opportunities to go it alone. And so um, and he says, okay, it's like, it's like a farmer who has done all the work all year long. I mean, he's plowed the, lound, the, the, the land, he has fertilized it. He's worked out irrigation, he's planted, and the weather worked out, and the, the harvest is coming up, and it's time to actually reap the reward. It's, actually, it's time to, to harvest all the wheat. And he says, if that farmer all of a sudden looks around and, and realizes none of the workers showed up, he's risking the entire year's work. He's risking th th this plentiful bounty that's going to feed his family, is going to provide for the community. He's missing out. And so he needs to have other people come in and help him out. And, and Jesus is saying, you know what? God is seeing the needs of the world and says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Join them. Join them. That's what, as if you're a follower of God, you join them in the work. And, and we... Lord, would you give us your eyes to see people the way you see them? Would you give us your eyes to see the needs of the world the way you see them? Would you give us your eyes to, to see people with your love and patience and then step into the needs? And that's God telling us today, man, invite others in and do it together. All right, verse four, which I, I love verse four because it's a little bit hard to, why is he saying this? But it's, a cool principle. Uh, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. It's like, okay, be rude. Is that what you're saying? You know, be rude and don't have anything. Be, you know, needy. What, what he's saying is don't go it alone, but build interdependence. 
Let me first just give a quick explanation for don't greet anyone. Um, what he's doing, he's specifically talking about giving a contrast to um, the Pharisees of the day who said, okay, we're supposed to love people. We're supposed to love strangers. And so if you're on the road and you see somebody who's a stranger, this is the ritualistic process that you need to do to let them know that you care for them. And so you, you, you jump through all these hoops in order to greet somebody on the road, you put on a show, and then you move on. And the problem is they're putting on the show, but they didn't give a rip about that person. They didn't really care about that person. And Jesus says, I actually want you to care about people. And so forget about that big greeting and actually instead care for people. And so get to know them. And so he's saying, don't take a money bag. Don't take a knapsack. Don't take a bunch of extra sandals. Um, because you know what? I want to remove from you those things that can keep you independent. I got the money, I got my food, I got my, I got my clothes, I don't need anybody. And so I can stay away from people. And he says, no, you just take enough to get by today, but then you're going to have to rely on your relationships going forward. And so he's, he's saying, be interdependent. And so independent says, I'm going it alone. Don't need anybody else. I am, I am you know, a self-made person. I have no needs from others. If I do, I'm not going to admit it to you because that means I'm weak, and so I'm going it alone. Independence, God saying, not my plan for your life. Codependence, God saying, not my plan for your life because codependence says I need you, but I need you in a very unhealthy way. Um, I want you in my life. I want you to be my friend. The way you're my friend is to encourage me to continue all the destructive habits in my life. Okay, that, that's, that's not a friend. That, that's actually um, not loving to withhold truth from you uh, about an area of your life that you're blind to, or maybe you're not blind to, but you're just stubborn about, and it's not healthy. And so we don't want codependence. He's saying interdependence. Interdependence is where you build relationships, and you know people are going to be used by God to make you better, and you're going to be used by God to make them better. And together, you're going to go after following Jesus together. You're keeping your eyes on the bigger picture, and you're going after together. And that's interdependence. That, that, is, that is saying, um, I'm going to be vulnerable enough to let you know how I'm really doing. And I'm going to be willing to listen and ask questions so I can get under the surface with you. And so Jesus is telling them, Hey, uh, ministry and following my plan for your life means you need to get to know people because uh, you're going to need to rely on them and they're going to need to rely on you as you move towards me and follow me together. And so be inter interdependent. Um, so he's saying, okay, I'm sending you off, but you know, hey, give me your credit cards and your iPhone and your backpacks. And... Uh, I'm going to teach you to rely on other people. And that's what he does. How do you do that? Well, you have to stay with them. You can't just jump from person to person because they won't know if you're a trustworthy person. And you won't know if they're trustworthy. And so I want you to go to one place and I want you to stay there. And I want you to build a relationship so that they care enough about you that they'll help you out. And you'll care enough for them that you're going to serve them. So go deeper. That's, I mean, you, you don't fall into deeper relationships. You build them. And that's what Jesus is, is telling his followers right here. And so in your life, I'm just going to name some kinds of people in your spiritual journey. And, uh, and maybe you'll put names to these people in your life. Who is the faith stretcher in your life? The person that was, when you talk to them, they just inspire you to dream bigger dreams. And to believe that God wants to use you in more significant ways. And, and when you leave them, you just go, man, I've been trusting a God that's too small. I need to grow my, my view of God and trust him for bigger things in my life. Do you have a, a faith stretcher in your life who, who does that for you? How about a soul protector? How about somebody you get with and you'll talk about work, you'll talk about different things. 
But at the end of the day, you know that they actually care more about the condition of your soul than they do about the success you've had at work. And they'll ask you about it. Man, how's your inner life? Are you healthy? Are, are you able to go through the day and actually enjoy the fact and you remember, you're mindful of the fact that God's walking with you? Do you enjoy his presence throughout the day? Is that real to you? I mean, they, they, they just go at your soul and they just say, okay, are you connecting to the God who built you to be in relationship with him? And so who's that in your life? How about models or mentors in your life? People that you look at and you say, um, they're, in this area, they are farther ahead of, than I am, and I want to be like them. You know, the way that they just patiently listen to their kids. Um, I just want to give them the bottom line and move on. And uh, these people, they, they listen to their kids, and, and they're expressing value to their kids by how they listen. I want to I be like that. Or at work, they, they don't leave God at, at home um, but, but they actually invite God to come with them through the, the doors of their office and, or out on calls. And they're actually constantly thinking, God, would you make me sensitive to other people today? And would you help me be mindful of how I can honor you in a way that is, uh, that is great and good and productive and, um, and is ethical? And they actually take God with them on the job every day. And you're going, man, I, I want to be like that more. I, 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 I part God, and then I go and I come back and tell him what the problem was. And I need to be more mindful of taking God with me 24-7 in, into the workplace. And who, who's those models or mentors in your life? Um, who's your tail kicker? You know, you know if you're not doing well, they're going to look at you and say, hey, Bill, are you really doing Okay. And they, they'll actually use your name, not mine. But um, the, you know they're going to, if they're with you and you spend enough time together, they know you enough to say, hey, you know what? Your attitude towards this set of people, just based on how you're talking about them, it's not reflective of God. Man, where's your heart on this? And you, yeah, man, sometimes you see them coming and it's like, I need you, but I'm going to run. You know, it's, it's the people we need. They're truth tellers in our lives. And we're so grateful for them because they, we know that good friends actually, they don't hold back the truth. And I, I have people in my life that know my tells. They know when I'm not doing well, there's things in my life that they're not going to see. Um, I mean, one of the things that, that you'll see in my life when I'm not doing good internally is I lose my sense of humor. Why are you laughing? Nothing's funny. You know, I, I'm, I'm anxious, I'm not doing well, I have no sense of humor. And it's one of the first things Kathy will tell me. Or Kathy will go to one of my friends and tell on me. Um, and I need truth tellers like that in my life to say, okay, you know, I see the signs, Bill, what's going on? Who's that in your life? I mean, maybe you thought of some people. And then the question is, what are you in your friend's life? How's God using you in your gifts that like we talked about last week and your strengths? How's he using you to help somebody else? See, interdependence and being part of the family of God means we know each other enough and we're, and we're going deeper together and we're growing together and as a result, I'm making you better and you're making me better. And as a result of that, the world is seeing Jesus more. I mean, what a cool picture. Jesus actually says, in the, well, in the New Testament actually says, you are the aroma of God. Isn't that amazing? You know, Old Testament, they'd always burn incense and stuff um, when they're doing sacrifices in the presence of God, and it was to remind them that uh, when we are right with God, um, we're the aroma of God. And so how's that going? All right, verse 7. And remain in the same house, Jesus is telling him. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. He's saying this, don't go it alone, but stay put and build deeper connections. You cannot go to one person's house and go, you know what? 
It's kind of cold last night, and it wasn't as big as I thought or as nice as I thought. I think I'm going to look for a better place tonight. Uh, he's saying, no, stay put. Don't, don't, don't sweat the, the, the small things because you're going after a bigger thing. You're going after building a relationship. Uh, at that time, when he was sending them out in the Jewish community, there was debates going on about, okay, if you are a real follower of God, what do you eat and what do you not eat? How do you prepare it? I mean, if you are real, if you want a God to really like you, this is how you handle your diet. And even within the dietary laws of the Jewish people, they had rabbis who, who were putting their own spin on it. And so depending upon the house you went, they would serve different ways. And maybe it wasn't the way you grew up with. And Jesus is saying, don't sweat it. Eat what they put in front of you. Because you're there to build a relationship. Don't use it as, as an excuse to cut bait and leave. And he's saying there's bigger things here. Go deeper. Get to know the person. You know, it's fun in life. You know, it is, as you grow and mature, and then you're part of a faith family, I mean, some of my best friends are people I wouldn't have hung out with in high school. Because in my immaturity, I hung out with people like this, you know, a certain way that I thought were cool to me, and, and that's where I hung out with. And now some of my best friends are groups of people I would never would have hung out with. But it is so wonderful with maturity how you get to know people that are different than you. And God brings you together under the banner of his family and says, uh, don't let small things bug you. Focus on going deeper together. And that's what he's telling his people. Don't jump from house to house. Don't go in there and say, ah, you know, it's not decorated the way I wanted. Uh, you know, uh, I talked to Joe, and he's, he's staying at a place that has a hot tub. And uh, so I think I'm going to look for bigger and better and move on. He's like, no, no, don't sweat the small things. Look past them and go deeper together. And uh, we, we jump from job to job. We jump from city to city. We jump from church to church. We, we are raised, every one of us, me included, we are raised consumers. Don't have really, I mean, it's, it's not like you wake up and say, I want to learn how to be a consumer. No, I mean, we, that's the messaging around us 24-7 is we are consumers. We, we come into the church. If you're new here, you came in here and you started evaluating. Is this good for me? Do I like this? Is this like, you know, um, did I like the coffee? Hey, we're working on it, okay? You know, um, uh, did, is this a place I feel at home? Did, did I like the music? Did, you know, it's like, I don't know, man. It's like, why can't I find a church that's just country 100% of the time? Um, I mean, you, we go in and we, we make all these decisions about kind of more surface level stuff. But I'm saying, once you get past that, and that's, we all do it, stay. Stay. Build relationships. Jesus is saying, stay put. Stay put. Invest your life with a community of followers of Jesus because this is the way, this is my plan to reach the world and to grow you up. And it's not for you to be a, um, I am a radical independent person and I am kind of like, I'm kind of like a, a sniper for Jesus. I'm off on my own. And it's like, no, not, that's, that's not the deal. Be a part of the family. Now, let me give you a couple reasons why you should leave a church. Um, they're mishandling God's word. Okay, so how do you handle God's word in a way that's honoring to God? Because we think that there's truth in God's word. And so you go after, what did the original writer mean for the original audience to understand? And that's the meaning. I'm not bringing my meaning to the Bible. I'm getting the meaning out of the Bible and then I'm saying, that's truth, reflective of, the, of the, the character of God. That never changes. No matter what my circumstances, what my culture, what my family told me is true, I am now exchanging my truth for God's truth. Because it doesn't change. And he says it's always true. Okay, so if, if you're going to a church and they're, they're not 
they're saying this is you know, my, my political bent, and so now I'm going to look in the Bible to try to find out how it can be supported. Don't go to that church. I mean, we, we need to place ourselves under the authority of the Bible. And, and so they need to be able to teach the Bible. They need to be able to handle it in a way that you're going to find out what the Bible says. All right? Find a, find a church that, ha- that does that. Second thing, if, if, they mis, if they mistreat people, if they're using their spiritual authority, leaders of the church using their spiritual authority to abuse others, get out. Leave that church. Those are two good reasons to church hop. Um, but we church hop because we're consumers. And you know, I'm actually friends with the other pastors in the area. And we get together every once in a while and we'll start talking about different families. And we all know them. Because they were all part of our church at one time. You know, it's just hopping around. And so if you're thinking about leaving your church right now, um, my encouragement to you is if they're not abusing and if they're handling scripture well, stay. And if you're here and you're thinking about, you know, jumping ship because you heard about this other church and they have a new worship leader and it's, oh, it's going to be so cool, um, Stay. Because there's always going to be things that um, decisions we make here in any church that you're not going to like. We're, we're going to teach a series, and you're going, ah, just that series is, just doesn't really turn my crank. We're going to make some decisions that you're thinking, you know what, the, this church is now, my church is kind of focusing on this area, and I really wish we were focusing on another area. And, and you're going to not agree. We're going to land on different passages of Scripture that aren't the, aren't, you know, the basic truths of, of our foundation of, of faith, but they're peripheral things. And we'll land at a different place, and you'll think, I don't, just don't think I land there. I think I can build a case for um, what the Bible's saying that's different than that. And those things are going to bug you. Or you're going to listen because we are teaching the Bible, and you're going to feel convicted and uncomfortable. And you're going, I don't like that. I don't like feeling uncomfortable. I don't like being there. Now, all those things I just told you, you're going to feel if you stick around here. I guarantee you. And you're going, well, how do you know? Well, it's because I feel them. I felt all of those things about Rolling Hills, and I'm the lead pastor. So if I'm feeling them, you're going to feel them. And, and, um, but as I look out here, I see people who have been here for a long time. And, um, and we've disagreed on different things. And sometimes I've done something that just makes you mad, and I offended you. And you're still here, and we've worked through it. And as a result... Man, I, I, I listen to you much quicker than I listen to somebody new. Because I, I, I know you're going deep here. And I just want to thank you for that. Because you're also doing something different. I, I met with um, a young adult community group a couple weeks ago. And I told them, hey, you want to do something, the most radical thing you could do for Jesus for, in your generation? Put down roots. Go deep in relationship and allow people to know you and love you as a follower of Jesus and get to know people deeply below the surface. It's the most radical thing we can do. We stay here, we stay up high, and then we we treat our, our relationships like commodities and we jump. And as soon as somebody starts getting to know me and my weaknesses, I'm leaving because I don't like that. And stay put. And Jesus is saying, don't jump from house to house. Stay put. Get to know people. Because I'm going to work through your relationships for my good. So how you doing? Have you, have you been seeing yourself as an independent operator? Me and you, Jesus. Nobody else. It's just me and you. Well, I, I hope today that's been challenged. Not because I want to make you uncomfortable, but because I want the best for you. And if that means being uncomfortable with truth from God, because it, it doesn't line up totally with where our comfort zone is in our, in our culture, then let's be uncomfortable together. You know, um, a lot of people say, I don't want to go to a bigger church. You've got hundreds and hundreds of people there every Sunday and actually thousands. And, and uh, so I don't want to be a part of that church. Well, you know, the truth is we only know about 50 people at any time, no matter what the size of the group is. 
And so it, the, the key is not to just go to a church of under 50 people. But the key is just to know, know people. And so no matter how, well, how big the church is, get to know people who are walking on the same faith journey as you and who are, have the opportunities in our community to step into and make a difference. And so get to know people. Maybe you're watching online and, and you just got really comfortable with being a virtual church member. Well, there's real limitations on following Jesus as part of a community virtually. There's just, it's just hard. And so maybe this is a time where you think, man, if you live in the community, I need to start interacting face-to-face with people. Um, get in a small group, men's group, women's group, community group, um, and start getting to know people. There's going to be people in that group you like, and there's going to be people in that group that you wouldn't spend time with normally. And that, that's the beauty of God's family, is uh, getting to know people and allow their uniqueness actually you get to learn from them, and, and vice versa. There's one time in the Bible where uh, somebody chose to go it alone, and it changed the world. And that was Jesus chose to go alone to the cross. So he said, he said I, I didn't come to judge you. I came to save you. And to give my life as a ransom for many, to pay the price of our stubbornness, of our just natural rebellion against God, saying, God, I think I know better than you. And he says, I'm going to pay that, the cost of that sin so that you never have to be alone. You, you can be part of God's family. And you never have to be alone because God is with you every day and he'll remind you of that through other followers of Jesus. And maybe today, that's your step, is I need to declare I'm trusting in God and I'm part of his family. And so if that's where you're at, I'm gonna give you a second just to talk to God and bow our heads. And maybe for others of you who have already made that commitment and you're part of his faith family, God's been talking to you today about what that means to be in interdependent relationships that follow Jesus together. And, uh, and you're being challenged by God today. And so talk to God about what that, how that looks in your life and what's the next step. So let's pray. And if you are choosing to place your trust in Jesus for the first time, then um, in your own mind, just talk to him. And you might say something like this, God, I know you love me. And I know you've been pursuing me. And so I choose today to place my hope and my trust in you. And I ask you to forgive me for uh, not thinking about you, following myself without really caring about what you think, basically making myself the God of my life. And so I surrender that to you and I wanna follow you. And part of that I know is God, would you help begin making me the person that you created me to be? Thank you, Father. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. And I pray for each person in this room, for those who just made that commitment, God, and, and for those who, um, you know, you've been talking to today and you've been challenging their thinking and challenging how they're living. And Father, would you give them clarity on what the next step of faith in following you looks like? And then I, I know you give them the courage to stay, take that step towards what you're guiding them towards. And I pray even this week or even, even after this, this gathering is, as they take steps um, in their life to follow you, that you would bless them, that you would give them a real sense of peace and that you would protect their minds so that they don't doubt today what you're making clear in their life and they won't doubt that tomorrow. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. And it's in your son's name we pray, amen. Now, if, if you just made a decision to trust in Jesus and say, I, I'm asking for forgiveness and I 
putting my hope in you, Jesus, um, then I want you to do something. As soon as we're done here, you know, just take a second is right outside those doors in the middle of the atrium out there. There are um, some tables with some people there. Just go there and let them know that you prayed along with Bill today. And, um, and they will give you this information, which is just uh, simple, practical ideas about how to now continue that journey with God. How do you grow that relationship with God? And so they'll get that in your hand and, um, and just, uh, they'll be happy for you. So thank you for that. If, um, if you're online, go to rollinghills.org, new beginnings. Is that what it is? Next step. I forgot again. It's, no, he changed it. It was new here. Next steps. Next steps. It's next steps. Oh, yeah, it's up there. That's easy. Rollinghills.org slash next steps. There you go. Go there and um, give us your information, and we'll send that information to you as well. Um, maybe today uh, your next step is to go out to those counters and to say, I need to get into a Bible study. Or I need to get in a community group. I need to stop walking alone. And uh, God bless you for doing that. Um, one of the ways that we tell each other that I, I'm, I, it's not just me and Jesus, but I'm in, and this is my faith family, is uh, Jesus says, go public, trust in me, and get baptized. And um, if you haven't been baptized and you're a follower of Jesus, and I encourage you to do that. And today we get a chance to, uh, to take part in a baptism. And uh, we're a family. And so what we do when somebody gets baptized is we celebrate, all right? And so uh, we have a chance to celebrate um, today as we take part in this baptism. And uh, if you're interested in being baptized in the future, you can go online. There's actually a baptism class that's online, or you can uh, just online, you can sign up, or out there you can sign up, and, uh, and we'll get you baptized. But let's enjoy this together.